So Mark 15, we're going to look at verses 40 through chapter 16, verse 8. It's on page 722 of the Bible in the seat back in front of you, if that's the Bible you're using. Mark 15, starting in verse 40. I want to start with a story about um, one time when I was in college, and I went to visit a friend of mine who had graduated a couple years before me. And he'd gone into business, and he was making good money, and I hadn't seen him for a while. And and I arrived at his house to visit him, and he told me he had a surprise for me. And that's always fun to hear, of course. So uh, he asked me to get into the car. So we got into the car, and as we drove, he told me what a great surprise this would be. And I couldn't wait to find out what it was. And we drove further, and then we pulled into a car dealership. And I thought, no, it couldn't be. (laughs) And then I realized it wasn't just any dealership. It was a Lexus dealership. And I had to pinch myself to make sure this wasn't a dream. It wasn't a dream. And we went into the dealership, and sure enough, my friend had bought a brand new Lexus for himself. (laughs) That was my surprise. Sometimes we get less than we expect. (laughs) Sometimes we get less, but Easter is not one of those times. No, Easter is a time when God exceeds our expectations. Easter is a time when God gives us more than we counted on and more than we deserved. That's what we discover in Mark's Easter story we read this morning as a handful of women who had followed Jesus get way more than they expected. We hear a lot about the men who followed Jesus, but here Mark reminds us that there were faithful women among Jesus' disciples too. When Jesus died on the cross, all the men who had followed him ran away and were hiding. But, but these women had hung near Jesus, at least from a distance, and they, they witnessed how he died, and they saw the tomb where he was laid, and they took care to try to give him a, a proper burial, complete with an anointing with spices, and now they are going to witness his startling res, uh, resurrection. As, incidentally, as I've mentioned before, this is all strong evidence for the truthfulness and the trustworthiness of the gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Because you see, in Jesus' day, women's testimony was not accepted in court. In the chauvinism of that day, women were considered unreliable and dishonest. And so the gospel writers, if they had been making this story up, trying to convince a skeptical world that Jesus really did rise from the dead, they never would have cited women as their primary witnesses. There's only one explanation for why they do this, and that's because that must have been how it really happened. That these women really did see, first of all, that Jesus actually died, chapter 15, 39, that he wasn't taken down from the cross still half alive. Second of all, that Jesus really was placed in a certain tomb, verse 47. Third of all, that that same tomb really was empty three days later, chapter 16, And finally, as the other gospel writers tell us, that Jesus really was alive and appeared to them. These women had the privilege of witnessing Jesus' resurrection first, and so it was these women who first experienced the Easter reality that God exceeds our expectations. Let's look more closely now at the story and see how this plays out. Jesus has died According to Mark, the women saw it, 
The centurion responsible for his execution saw it. And Pilate, the Roman governor, then has it verified. It's late Friday afternoon. The sun is quickly setting. And when the sun sets, the Jewish Sabbath begins. A day for rest. A day when work isn't allowed. Jewish sensitivities also forbid leaving a dead body hanging exposed overnight. And so a man named Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea takes quick action. He goes to Pilate. He gets permission to, to have the body. He quickly has it taken down from the cross. He wraps it in linen and he places it in a tomb. He's racing the clock as he does this, so he, he has to get it done before sunset. And, and because of his haste, he doesn't have time to do a full and a proper job of burying Jesus. You see, according to Jewish burial custom, the dead body would be anointed with oil, it would be washed, it would then be wrapped in linen and placed in a tomb, and then a large amount of spices would be poured over the body. These spices were to disguise the smell of decomposition. The spices were important because back then people were buried in a natural or a man-made cave and the mouth of the cave would then be covered by a large stone to keep the animals out. And, and whole families would be buried in the same cave and so when you went in to bury one person there might be others already in there, one or more bodies in various stages of decomposition and you can imagine what that did to the funeral service. And so they heavily spiced the bodies as they were put in to make future burials more bearable. But on this Friday afternoon, there hadn't been time to do the final anointing with spices for Jesus. And so after resting on the Sabbath, these women come early Sunday morning to finish the job. Now, here's the key point. They come to the tomb to finish burying a dead man. They've got their spices. They're worried about how they're going to get into the tomb. They're focused on death. They're preoccupied with the realities of death. They're on an errand of death. And yet, when they get to the tomb, God shatters their expectations. They expect death, but wonder of wonders, God gives them resurrection. The tomb is empty. Death has gone out of it. It's been overcome by life. God gives these women far more than they ever expected. These women's greatest concern and wish that morning was for someone to be around to help them move the stone so they could finish the burial of a dead man. And yet, on Easter morning, what does God give them instead? More than someone to move the stone. The stone was already moved. More than access to, to a dead man that they wanted to devotedly honor. Instead, God gives them that man, Jesus, alive again. God totally and utterly exceeds their expectations. Do you realize there would be no Christian faith without Easter morning? Without Easter, no one would have heard of Jesus of Nazareth today except maybe a few experts in the history and religion of ancient Judaism. Without Easter, Jesus would have likely been a mere footnote in the history books, one more eccentric religious teacher or one more failed rebel leader in the first century who wouldn't even been the first century. 
<laughs> but back then, <laughs> one more failed rebel leader who, who was crucified by Rome for stirring up trouble. As far as Jesus' followers and these women were concerned, death had been the last word for Jesus. Sure, Jesus had told them after three days he would rise again, but they had no idea what he was talking about. For them, Jesus had died, and that was that. End of story. He had come, he had tried, but he had failed. The best they could hope for now was to give him a decent burial to honor him and, and then somehow to pick up the pieces of their lives and to move on. But on Easter morning, God gave them far more than they counted on. God overpowered death itself with life. Sometimes we get less than we expected. But Easter is not one of those times. No, Easter is a time when God exceeds our expectations. And this morning we celebrate a God who has done and is doing and will do the same for us. Because the New Testament tells us that if we are in Christ, if we put our faith in Christ, then we share in the new life of Jesus' resurrection. Easter reminds us that in Jesus, our risen Lord, God exceeds our expectations. Now, there are many ways in which this is true, and I'd like to look at two of them this morning. In the risen Jesus, God gives us first more than we counted on, and second, more than we deserved. First, God gives us more than we counted on. This is good news for us who know in various ways what these women experienced in losing one they so dearly loved. This particular passage from Mark meant a lot to me, the Easter which came just weeks after I lost my dad. My dad was gone at 60 years old, far too soon, too quickly. His grandchildren had barely gotten to know him. My mother needed him desperately, and he left a big hole in our family, and it was really hard. That was four years ago, and, and I don't know why, but I've been missing him again recently. But Easter makes it a little bit easier. Because the Easter story reminds me that God gives us more than we counted on. The Easter soon after my dad died, it, it reminded me that death is not the last word for my dad. Though we missed him dearly, we knew that death was only a momentary transition for him. That, that just as God had raised Jesus from the dead, so God will one day do that for my dad too. And as I look back, I can see all the ways God got my mom and my family through that difficult time. How God surprised us with provisions and with blessings and with strength beyond our expectation, beyond what we had counted on. And then many of the rest of us know about losses too, don't we? We think about Barbara right now, we think about Debbie, we think about others too. We've lost people we loved, people we depended on, people we miss dearly. Others of us have known what it's like to lose dreams that we had, which have now been shattered. 
or to lose the hope we once had, the, the hope we had for a relationship or, or for a career or for, for a future and, and hopes which, which over time we've experienced having withered and died for various reasons. We know what that feels like. But, but on Easter, we, we remember that we have a God who in the risen Christ exceeds our expectations, who gives us more than we counted on. I've been praying along these lines for our church this past week that as we faced a number of challenges and, and difficulties and discouragements recently and over the years, that God would encourage us with the hope that, that He will do for us more than we're counting on. He did it for those women on the first Easter morning and he did it for all of Jesus' followers who had been so devastated by Jesus' death. And, and he is doing it, and he will continue to do it for you and for me as well. Not necessarily giving us what we were counting on, but giving us somehow eventually more and better than what we were counting on. But sometimes we have to wait for it, don't we? Just like the women had to endure that long, sorrowful Saturday when, when the only reality they knew was death and it seemed all-consuming, it seemed stifling. And yet, or rather, um, sometimes our Saturdays, like it must have been for Jesus' followers, our Saturdays last a long, long time, don't they? But the good news of Easter reminds us that for those who follow Christ, eventually Sunday always comes. Madeline L'Engle, who wrote the famous children's book, Wrinkle in Time, put it this way. She said, there are times when I feel that God has withdrawn from me. And I've often given him cause. But Easter is always the answer to my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Sometimes we get less than we expected. But Easter is not one of those times. No, Easter is a time when God exceeds our expectations. And we worship the Lord of Easter. And so, when we put our trust in Him, Easter is always, sooner or later, around the corner. Let's go back to our story now and focus on a second way that God exceeds our expectations. God not only gives us more than we counted on, God also gives us more than we deserve. Let me ask you, what did Peter and Jesus' other disciples deserve on that Easter morning? They had totally deserted their master. After all their big pious talk about how they'd follow Jesus anywhere and always, about how they'd stick with him through thick and thin no matter what, about how they were willing even to die with him. After all that, when push came to shove, they turned tail and fled. Peter, on top of it all, had gone even further. He'd denied his Lord three times. He'd denied that he even knew the man. He'd called down, called down curses on himself just to make his point. And now what message does God have for them on that Easter morning? 
for Jesus' disciples who, who are still hiding, who are too scared, it would seem, even to participate with the women in honoring Jesus with a proper burial. God's angel, Mark describes him as a young man in a white robe, relays God's message through these women to these disciples. But go tell his disciples and Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Is this the message you'd have sent to Peter and the others if you'd been in Jesus' shoes? I mean, it'd be tempting just to write off these unfaithful disciples completely and to find some new disciples who are more faithful and start over with them. After all, these disciples had failed Jesus. They'd abandoned him when, when Jesus needed them most. They, they'd proved that they didn't really care about him, that, that they weren't really committed to him or to his God. Or maybe if you were Jesus, you'd have some even harsher words to say to them than just ignorant, uh, ignoring them. Because Jesus wasn't only their friend, he was their king. And what does a king do when his men turn tail and flee in the heat of the battle? Or when his men swear to the enemy that they're no longer on the king's side after all? Such men get court-martialed, don't they? They get tried and condemned as cowards and traitors. Now let me ask you, how many of us deserve the same thing for the times that we've proved unfaithful to our king under pressure? I, for one, can relate to Peter and to the others. But God does not give them or us what we deserve. No, on that first Eastern morning, God extends his grace he calls them back to Galilee, back to where it all began, back to where they had first encountered Jesus, where he invited them to leave everything behind and to follow him. God offers them, in other words, a brand new beginning. And God offers us new beginnings too. That's what Easter is about. It's the, the first morning of a brand new day, a, a new season to start over. The old has passed. All things are made new. Easter is a time when you're reminded that you serve a God who again and again takes the initiative to offer you better than you deserve. That's God's way. And that's the Christian message that there is a God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And while we fail again and again, time and again, God steps in and takes the initiative. He forgives us for all the ways that we've wronged him. He, he takes death and he turns it into life. He calls us to start again. That's always God's way. Again and again, God does not wait for us to, to get smart enough or, or to be good enough or to be wise or competent enough. No, God takes the initiative to exceed our expectations, to give us better than we deserve. Sometimes we get less than we expected. But Easter is not one of those times. No, Easter is a time when we discover a God who exceeds our expectations. So how are we to respond to this wonderful news and to this wonderful God? Well, Mark tells us, 
I don't know if you remember this from times we've looked at Mark's gospel in the past, but one of Mark's trademarks is that he likes to take two stories and to sandwich them together. He'll start telling one story and then he'll pause and he'll tell a second story before going back and finishing the first story. And this is a literary technique and it's meant to encourage us to hear those two stories together, to let them interpret one another. And Mark does that here in the story of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. Sorry, his burial and resurrection. Up in um, chapter 15, 40 to 41, that's why we began the reading there, Mark introduces these women who have followed Jesus. Among them, he mentions Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. These women will become central to the Easter story when we get to chapter 16. But before we get there, Mark breaks off from telling us about the women. And in verses 42 to 46, he sandwiches in this second story of Joseph of Arimathea before he goes back and he finishes the story of the women. That's Mark's literary way of encouraging us to contrast the women with Joseph of Arimathea. So let's do that. Because as we look at this story, the way Mark tells it, these women actually don't come off looking too good. They're a mixed bag. I mean, they were there, which is more than we can say for Peter and the other disciples. But at the cross, the women are watching from a distance. And if we took time to get out our Greek concordance, we'd find that this word watching is always used in a negative sense by Mark. It's a detached watching. It's an uninvolved watching. It's a from a distance watching. These women are, are partly faithful, but they're partly scared and partly detached from Jesus. They're faithful enough to stick around and to bury Jesus, but they're not faithful enough to be bold and strong in their identification with Jesus. Then down in Mark 16, verse 8, these women's response to Jesus' resurrection is alarm. Trembling and bewildered, Mark tells us, the women went out and fled from the tomb and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, I don't want to be too hard on these ladies. I don't think that's Mark's intention. After all, we'd probably act just like they did even if, if we even had the courage to stick around at all, right? But contrast these women with Joseph of Arimathea who Mark places in the middle of this literary sandwich. Joseph goes boldly to Pilate and asks for Jesus' body. Boldly. Because to ask for the body of someone executed by Rome on charges of sedition was to identify yourself with the convict and to risk labeling yourself as a rebel as well. In other words, Joseph could have very easily wound up on a cross for doing this. But unlike the women, Joseph doesn't waver. Joseph isn't paralyzed by fear. Joseph doesn't stand off at a distance. No, he acts boldly. Joseph displays a courage in the darkness of Good Friday that these women don't even muster in the bright morning of Easter Sunday. Joseph identifies himself with his crucified king, come what may. That, I think Mark is trying to say, is how you respond to the good news of Easter. And if Joseph could do that in the bleakness of Good Friday, then how much more can we do it now that the good news of Easter has had time to sink in for us? 
Now that we know that, that however long our Fridays and Saturdays may be, that Sunday is always a coming. God, in time, will always exceed our expectations. And God already has, once and forever, exceeded them. God, in sheer grace, has raised up and vindicated our crucified King so that He can never die again. So that He reigns forever as King until one day all enemies are put under His feet, even that last great enemy, death itself. At Richard Nixon's funeral, Billy Graham told the following story. Years ago, Winston Churchill um, planned his own funeral at the end of his life, and, and he did so with the hope of the resurrection and eternal life, which he firmly believed in. And he instructed after the benediction at the end of the funeral that a bugler be positioned high on the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral to play taps, the universal sign that the day is over. But then came a very dramatic moment as Churchill had instructed. After taps, another bugler who was placed on the other side of the massive dome played the notes of Reveille, the universal sign that a new day has dawned and it's time to arise. That was Churchill's testimony that at the end of history, that last note will not be taps, but will be Reveille. There's hope beyond the grave because Jesus Christ has opened the door of heaven for us by his death and resurrection. That, I think, is Mark's message to us about how we're to respond to Easter. As we walk with one another through the many dark times of life, and as we go out into the many dark places in this world, we are to be like that second bugler sounding forth the good news of Easter. Because we're convinced that, that though there are many times where we may get less than we expected, Easter is not one of those times. Easter is a time when God exceeds our expectations. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. God doesn't do it by buying everyone a Lexus. But rather by through Jesus Christ giving us more than we counted on. More than we deserved. And we have the privilege of making it known. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we sense it so often when Eastern morning rolls around. We sense something surprising, something other, something unexpected, something bigger than the parameters that we so often measure and mark our lives by. And for your New Testament people, they were people of resurrection. They were people who celebrated that resurrection every Sunday and who lived that new resurrection life through the power of the Spirit day by day. And we pray that you would continue through your word, through your spirit, 
shaping us into that kind of people too. Amen.